shit. I can't even remember. <laughs> Start recording and just look at Colin to say something. Welcome back to the Dime Coming Pros podcast. I'm your co-host, Small Wiener Man, joined mm. by the big <sighs> self. And you, you the the crippling uh, anxiety of the heat death of the universe. Was was upon your shoulders, and then the fucking um, Alzheimer's kicked in, <laughs> and you forgot about it. We watched it in real time, <laughs> dude. I had a dream last night, and it was like one of my biggest fears. Like I was taking care of baby Cal, and he shitted all over me, <laughs> all over me. And my I, dreams also have meaning. I woke up from my dream and threw my hoodie and my shirt off <laughs> and went back to sleep because I felt because I was like scared I had poop on me. <laughs> but I did it. That's good. Only your own poop. <laughs> no. Uh, Colin is joined by his other two co-hosts, uh, Spencer and Jacob. Hello. My comic that might cost more than a ton. Come meet the brothers who are here to waste your time. Jacob is the coffee man today. He woke up precisely 11 minutes ago. Me too. Colin was awake before me. Nuh-uh, I... Yeah. You were already on Zoom, ready to go by the time I woke up. I... Woke up two minutes before I I accepted the call on Zoom. I literally didn't wake him up until I was the call. The call was already up. Yeah. Damn. <laughs> Anyways, we have a heckin' chonker of a news week. It has been a while, so we uh, have quite a bit to go through. I'm gonna fucking kill myself. From Marvel.com. Marvel and Sony released the first trailer and poster for Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, swinging into theaters and the multiverse on June 2nd, 2023. The official synopsis reads, Miles Morales returns for the next chapter of the Oscar-winning Spider-Verse saga, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. After reuniting with Gwen Stacy, Brooklyn's full-time friendly neighborhood Spider-Man is catapulted across the multiverse, where he encounters a team of Spider-People charged with protecting its very existence. But when the heroes clash on how to handle a new threat, Miles finds himself pitted against the other spiders and must redefine what it means to be a hero so he can save the people he loves most. Um, there are so many Spider-Man cameos in this trailer. It's fucking insane. It makes me a little nervous, but also I trust them mostly to not overload it with cameo bullshit. It looks really good. I like how many there are. It looks cool. So why do you guys think the Hold on. Okay. Um, turn to the next chapter. Okay. I got I got the right one. So I have a theory on why he's being chased by all the Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. It's not because he's black. That one I think is a salt. I think you're on the right path here. <laughs> um he's the only Spider-Man that got his powers from not his own dimension. That is probably true. Because in the original... The spider came from, from one of the other ones. From one of the other universes. And that might be a problem. 
And that's probably why um, what's-his-face 29-9 and all of them are trying to, like, beat the shit out of him, stop him or something, because he's going to be, like, world-crushing with his with with how he's mixed and he's not supposed to be. I'm with Colin on that, honestly. That sounds, like, solid. Uh. <laughs> uh, I like how the poster... I, I don't really notice the fact that there's like a, a, a sea of Spider-Man behind him. It just looks like a really cool image to like look at. Like that was I the almost, first thing I noticed. I flipped my phone and was looking at them all. It looks cool. It's almost like it makes me not want to look at the specifics of it. It just if you like back up really far, it just looks cool as a background piece. Did it. We gotta we gotta take bets for this movie. Oh crap, what's the next one coming out? Ant Man. Uh, we said no bingo card on that one, right? I think so. Good. From Marvel.com. Marvel's highly anticipated foray into the terrifying Predator universe began this past August in Ed Brisson and Kev Walker's Predator, Predator number one, delivering all the explosive action and relentless horror that fans of the pop culture phenomenon crave, Predator introduced a brand new protagonist, Theta Berwick, who stalks the spaceways on a mission to rid the galaxy of the lethal alien killers, the Yacha. Yauta. You'd think I would remember how to pronounce the species, but I don't. Yaukuchi. I'm yep. going with that one. I don't think you want to smash them, Colin. I bet yep. he does. Coochie. I bet he does. Is it the fishnet? It's the fishnet. Yeah. <laughs> smash. Her quest for vengeance has only just started, and this March she'll increase her kill count on a brand new hunt in Predator number one. Joined by rising star artist Netho Diaz, Ed Brisson, will kick off the explosive next chapter of Predator with a brand new series that continues Theta's thrilling journey. Set years after the opening arc, uh, the new series will be perfect for newcomers and a must-read for fans of Brisson's Predator run so far. The epic new saga will introduce a host of new characters trapped fighting for their lives against three distinct Predators. Each Predator uses their vicious skills and alarming expertise in distinct and terrifying ways, but they all share the same objective, hunt, kill, repeat. On a planet far from Earth, eight strangers find themselves in a deadly game, but this time the predators aren't the only ones on the hunt. Someone has the the Yakachuki? Kakuchi? How'd you say it, Colin? Yakachuki. Yeah. In their sights, and they've been searching for this game preserve for a long time. Prepare for a brutal, carnage-filled adventure that will turn everything you thought you knew about Predators on its head. Smells like a Marvel crossover to me. With Carnage? Carnage. As a lifelong Predator fan, ever since seeing the first at the drive-in theater at too young of an age, writing the comic has been an absolute dream gig, Brisson said. I've been thrilled at fan reaction and 
how I've been able to bring Theta into Predator lore. A badass hunter we haven't seen the likes of since Dutch took down the Jungle Hunter back in 1987. My only problem with our first series was that it was over too soon. I wanted, no, needed to write more in this universe, he continued. Thankfully, we're coming back with incredible newcomer Netho Diaz on art to tell a tale that ties into film continuity while breaking new ground. We've got a new cast, new predators, and some huge surprises in store. If you've read and enjoyed our first series, you are not going to want to miss out. From Marvel.com, following the hit series Silver Surfer Rebirth, Ron Mars and Ron Lim will reunite for another galaxy-spanning limited series, Warlock, colon, Rebirth, exclamation point. The two superstar comics creators, known for shaping the comics corner of the Marvel Universe as we know it, will revisit the thrilling saga of Adam Warlock. The ever-fascinating and mega-powerful superhero is set to have all comics fans talking in 2023, and this new new series will be a must-have for fans and a perfect entry point into the character's rich history for newcomers. Set in the character's early days, the pivotal chapter will explore Adam Warlock's origin in astounding new ways and introducing a new character that will forever impact his legacy adam warlock was created to be the perfect human specimen since then adam has gone on to be a cosmic savior defending the galaxy from the likes of thanos the universal church of truth and the magus the magnum dog but what will happen when the next evolution of warlock emerges someone who is stronger faster and smarter than adam question mark don't miss this untold story of adam warlock and the infinity watch when warlock colin rebirth arrives in april whoop de fucking do I don't know. It seems kind of cool. Uh, I don't know a whole lot about Adam Warlock. Like, I haven't seen him in, in many comics. He's so. smarter. He's gold stronger. Cock. He's better. He's got a gold he cock. He is better. Also, he's being played by Will Poulter. So, that'll be fun. As usual, uh, a, a Marvel character is getting introduced in the movies, and we have to have a new series for them. From Marvel.com, this June, superstar comics talent Rob Liefeld is back with another action-packed saga starring one of his greatest creations in Deadpool, Batter Blood. A sequel to Liefeld's hit Deadpool, Bad Blood, Deadpool, Batter Blood, will be a five-issue limited series that will deliver another definitive Deadpool adventure in iconic Liefeld style. This latest chapter will see the Merc with a Mouth team up with guest stars like Spider-Man, Wolverine, and Cable against a dangerous new villain. Deadpool's upcoming mission will also raise the stake of Deadpool's intense feud with his adversary known as Thumper, revealing surprising details about the deadly killer's origin along the way. Additionally, fans will be introduced to brand new Liefeld-created characters such as the mysterious warrior Shatterstorm, Hillville, and Arcata. Deadpool doesn't really have a rogues gallery of his own. He mostly tangles with other heroes' villains, so I decided dedicated the entirety of Bad Blood to building up the story of Thumper, Liefeld told The Hollywood Reporter. 
With batter blood, Thumper is making moves across the gangs and crime organizations of the Marvel Universe to squeeze Deadpool and deliver him into his clutches. Thumper is also moving to destroy all the scientists behind the Weapon X program, and specifically the program that created him. It's a romp that continues to build out a rogues gallery for Deadpool. Deadpool Batter Blood hits local comic retailer shelves in June 2023. Um, the covers for this look really good. I don't know, and I don't think they announced whether or not Rob Liefeld's doing the uh, interior art. If he's just writing, it'll probably be fine. But, you know, his oh. modern art is uh, even worse than his old art. So I barely know her. <laughs> I could barely hear the shit talk that Colin's spewing. Oh. No, no, it's funny you're only getting half of it. What do you mean? Your shit talk is funny when I can only hear half of it. It makes it even more out of context. The part that's confusing him is the fact that you're saying he's funny. Oh. Bad blood? More like batter blood. Next issue is going to be baddest blood. And then this one's going to be even batterest batter blood. These title names are fantastic. Deadpool is king of <laughs> retarded titles. I just want to know if he's singing the song through the issue. That'd be interesting. That'd be funny. What song? Bad Blood. Hey, it's a Taylor Swift song. Of course you'd know that. You f uh, it's extremely popular and it's constantly played everywhere. Shut the fuck up. Where I'm from! I don't go places! From DC.com. At the dawn of the new millennium, Batman produced Michael Uslan. No, sorry, producer Michael Uslan and DC editor Mike Carlin came up with an idea to bring the architect of DC's biggest competition into their fold. That idea became Just Imagine Stan Lee creating the DC Universe, a 12-issue event that began in 2001 and saw Lee take on the most famous characters from the DC pantheon. Each issue focused on a different hero, including Batman. It's really funny pausing there and getting the death glare from Spencer. Each issue focused on a different hero, including Batman, Wonder Woman, Superman, Green Lantern, The Flash, and ultimately the Justice League. Whoa. I, I just named most of the Justice League, though. This is poorly written. Lee's reimagining of DC's premier super team was realized by Superman superstar Jerry Ordway, who is returning to the just Imagine Universe in the new Tales from Earth 6, a celebration of Stan Lee anthology. In the lead-up to the release of the supersized issue, Ordway sat down with DC <coughs> to reminisce about working with Stan Lee, the joy of writing comics, and how it feels to return to the unique world of Just Imagine after two decades away. Tales from Earth 6, a celebration of Stan Lee. Number one, featuring Jerry Erdway, Ord, Ordway and a team of talented writers and artists 
hit shelves on December 27th. I considered picking this up because I actually really like the Earth 6 stuff. Um, it's very bizarre reading like someone whose voice is so uniquely Marvel playing around in a DC sandbox, but it, those books were pretty good back in the, the early 2000s. And it's neat that they're doing a little thingamabobber, you know? I had no idea this happened. Really? Yes. Uguay is a part of this? Yes, Master Uguay. I just found someone who cosplays as Miss Frizzle, and I need to have my phone taken away from me. <laughs> this is a big one. I can do this one. I had to read, read all of this. My fucking word. Yeah. <laughs> I got it. <laughs> From HollywoodReporter.com, James Gunn is making his first big move at DC and will pen a Superman movie. The project will focus on the younger years of the hero, and thus he will be played by a new actor rather than Superman veteran Henry Cavill. Gunn and his DC Studios co-chair and co-CEO Peter Safran recently met with Cavill to share the news and to discuss ideas for potentially collaborating in the future on something else, perhaps a different role. At this stage, Gunn is merely writing the script, though he could potentially direct depending on where his services are needed at DC Studios, according to insiders. Peter and I have a DC slate ready to go, which we couldn't be more over the moon about. We'll be able to share some exciting information about our first projects at the beginning of the new year, Gunn wrote on Twitter, among those on the slate is Superman. In the initial stages, our story will be focused on an earlier part of Superman's life, so the character will not be played by Henry Cavill. But we just had a great meeting with Henry, and we're big fans, and we talked about a number of exciting possibilities to work together in the future. Though the Superman will be on the younger side, he won't be living in Smallville, but rather will be the Daily Reporter, the Daily Planet reporter Clark Kent, according to insiders. The news may be a surprise to fans who expected Cavill to return as Superman in the near future. Cavill appeared in a post-credit sequence in Black Adam, released in October of 2022, and the Monday after the film opened, posted a message on Instagram announcing he was back as Superman. According to sources, that Instagram message was sanctioned by Warner's brass before Gunn and Saffron were hired, thus the change in plans. Cavill, who announced his departure from the Netflix series The Witcher following his return as Superman, reflected on the change in an Instagram post, writing, I will, after all, not be returning as Superman. After being pulled by the studio to announce my return back in October, Prior to Gunn and Saffron's hire, this news isn't the easiest, but that's life. The changing of the guard is something that happens. I respect that. James and Peter have a universe to build. I wish them and all involved with the new universe the best of luck and the happiest of fortunes. Since assuming their roles on November 1st, Gunn and Saffron have been taking meetings from other key players in the DC universe. In addition to Cavill, they recently met with Batman actor Ben Affleck to discuss the possibility of him directing for them in the future, according to sources familiar with the conversation. No deal is in place for Affleck to helm a DC feature at this stage. They also had conversations with filmmaker Patty Jenkins, who will no longer be moving forward with the third Wonder Woman film. Warners has also been developing a Black Superman film written by Ta-Nehisi Coates and produced by J.J. Abrams, and Gunn's new movie is said not to have an impact on that project, with Coates still working on the script. So um, this next one is also kind of an extension of that. From ScreenRand.com, James Gunn has been responding on Twitter to various fans and has stated a shared a few teases about what DC Studios are doing with the DCU. One fan recently asked Gunn if he is producing any Elseworld DC projects that aren't set in the DCU under his DC Studios era. It didn't take long for Gunn to reply back with a positive answer that is actively happening. So obviously this is mostly vague details. Um, 
there's a lot of misinformation coming out when the, all of this was announced. So I did my best to to clean everything up. Basically, everything that is currently in post production, so TV shows, animated stuff, movies, etc., are all coming out. None of that is changing. Uh, there's very little in pre-production, so it seems like all of those projects have basically been canceled, like Wonder Woman 3, which we talked about a little bit ago. Um, and it's not explicitly confirmed whether this is a clean wipe entirely or a soft reboot, but it seems to be on, on the hard reboot side. Um, yeah, it's a whole bunch of stuff. Um, I appreciate the fact that Gunn and Safran are like physically talking to people involved in the previous universe. Like they're having them come into the office. They're not just like sending them an email. Um, that gives me some semblance of like respect to it. There, there's an earnestness to it. Like we would have wanted you back, but like with where plans are going, we can't really make that work within reason. And I, I get it despite the fact that it's kind of heart wrenching. Yeah. Um, gay uh so okay how do i say this i am actually happy that we may, might be getting a hard reboot even though i want ben affleck i want gal gadot and i want super i want henry cavill i realized that i only actually want them as long as zack snyder's involved because I want it to be a part of the original uh, Zack Snyder three movies. Like I want it to be like cohesive with the story, but that's not going to happen ever. Yes, yeah, no. Except that, and to Zack is making bank over at Netflix, producing his own original movies. And to admit, and I fucking hate you, Spencer. You cop you. I can't remember where I was going with that. Um, but I'm going to make you sit there and wait until I remember. Oh, but I must accept that because I want there to be like an actual DC universe. I don't want it to, or DC uh, movie universe. I don't want this to just be like a scramble of movies like it has been for like decades and um to do that you need new set of eyes and you need new actors to play these characters um there's a lot of fans that are stupid and they want they're like oh this is the perfect uh start just start it off uh, like connected to the batman leave the no batman. and it's not going to be connected the batman is a totally different thing Leave it alone. Let it be its own thing, like the Nolan movies. Uh, Gun did re-re-quadruple confirm that they're leaving that the fuck alone, which right. is nice. I didn't think that they were going to do anything with that anyways, but it is nice that he's being so um, clear about yeah. like the boundaries of their role. That's in what I was going to say. It's really cool that he's been clear about like answering questions on Twitter. Yes. It's been super cool. I I, I respect and I appreciate that because fans fans need information so that we're not fucking slitting each other's throats with yeah I mean, it'll happen anyways but it helps reduce it a little bit I'm yeah. definitely looking forward to what the the full slate is gonna be that they're announcing sometime soon of like the first chunk of movies there's gonna be a gap here which I think is gonna be interesting for like 
because we had a gap in the MCU for a while because of COVID and assorted other things, which was nice. But honestly, I felt like was wasn't long enough just because of the impact they wanted to have, you know. Yeah. Um, but we have like four DCEU movies that are like de- definitely still in continuity. So we have Flash, Aquaman 2, Shazam 2 and Blue Beetle are all still coming out. And that's fine. I'm still interested in all of them to some extent or another. Um, but like, it's get, but after that, I think the last one of those is like l- maybe early 2024, Max. Like, mm-hmm. there's going to be a big gap between them, uh, between the old universe kind of shuttering its doors and this new stuff. Because if he just finished writing a script or is in the process of writing a script, like, they're not going to be able to be filming until, what, minimum early next year, which is fine. It's just, it's going to be a long turnaround. And I, I there's a, a level of, like, creative respect that I, I kind of admire. He's making a plan for, like, eight to ten years worth of stuff that he's not even going to explicitly oversee because he's only contracted for five. It, yep. it, it doesn't feel like he's just here to make bank and leave and, like, leave in a mess for someone else to deal with like he it sounds like he wants to make a plan and then be able to pass it off to another person which is cool yeah so Spencer, do you see that pink thing next to colin it's really his douche flute but it kind of looks like the clamshell birth control <laughs> doesn't it a little bit a little bit i mean it is still kind of a form of birth control because it certainly repels bitches so, exclusive from HollywoodReporter.com, Donald Glover is finally getting a Spider-Man movie. Wow! But here's a twist: it's just not quite what you think. Whoa! Shocker! No, Gl- not shocker. Glover is attached to star and produce a feature set in Sony Pictures Spider-Man universe of Marvel Comics characters. Sources tell The Hollywood Reporter. Miles Murphy, the son of actor and comedian Eddie Murphy, is on board to write the project, which has no title but is set to revolve around the hypno, hypno, hypno hustler, one of the more obscure Spider Man villains. Created by Bill Mantlo, the writer who also created Rocket Raccoon, and artist Frank Springer. Hypno Hustler was very much a product of the disco music scene when he first appeared in Peter Parker, The Spectacular Spider-Man number 24 in 1978. Shocker. His real name was Antoine. Antoine. Antoine Delshin. Not Torsion. Contortion. Antoine Delcion, the leader of a band called Mercy Killers, and he used hypnosis technology in his instruments on his audience in order to rob them. Ah, the music meister. Glover's name has circled Spider-Man for years, with fans clamoring for him to portray Spidey, Spidey, particularly in 2012's The Amazing Spider-Man. That didn't happen. Andrew Garfield landed the role as Peter Parker. No shit. But Glover did voice Spider-Man Miles Morales in the Disney XD series Ultimate Spider-Man in 2015. Whoa. He also appeared in a very brief role in Tom Holland's Spider-Man Homecoming. A deleted scene from the movie pointed to him playing Miles Morales' uncle. 
The Prowler. I think this whole thing is a meme. And I know that's what I say every time Sony does a retarded thing. I think the fact that this is the character that Donald Glover wants to play is him just getting the bag from Sony because he knows they're so stupid he can rob them with his music powers. They're doing a lot of weird things. They've got like the Madam Web movie coming out. They're doing uh, a couple others that I could probably name you. Silk and this. is getting a TV show. Yeah. It's so weird. They're, they're going way deep into the Spider-Man character list. Like way too deep. It's going to all be bad. Yeah. It's so funny. They have a Spider-Man universe that's so deep, but they don't have fucking Spider-Man. I, I just there there's no way that he's not doing this like as a bit like he's going to ham in the worst performance under the sun and he's going to get paid his 20 million dollars and it's all a meme. Well, I'm excited for a Madam Web movie because Sydney Sweeney's in it. I'm excited because Dakota Johnson's in it, but the same. Sydney Sweeney. Marvel. Me, me and the boys on our way to go watch a dog shit movie because <laughs> tits. Yeah. 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 Are no, we're not going to go watch Barbie because tits. We're going because cinema. It doesn't have tits, Jacob. Well, we don't know that yet. She doesn't. From Marvel.com. In celebration today, I'm sure a while ago now, of the legendary Stan Lee's 100th birthday, it was announced that a documentary on the life of Stan Lee will be coming to Disney Plus in 2023. Wow. At least you tried. Big whoop. I think the thing with, like, so I like documentaries. I, and I do like comic documentaries. But the thing with this that really um, makes me not interested is the fact that it's being produced in-house by Marvel. We had this with a, there's a Batman documentary they've been working on for, like, ages or some shit. Or, like, a DC one. I don't remember. We talked about it, like, years ago. Um, and it's being produced by the studio themselves. And, like, that's just the biggest red flag of like revisionist history, especially because Stan Lee himself was like a, the king of revisionist history and like getting credit for shit he didn't do. Like it would be cool to have an actual documentary for what he did do. And there's lots of interesting stories. But if Disney's doing it themselves, then like ah, f- it's going to be garbage. Oh, yes. Yeah, Stan Lee created the whole universe. He is the reason for everything. Blah, blah, blah. He is literally God, don't you know? Fuck. Those don't people. you know? It's fucking stupid. It's like those uh, music mockumentary f- movies. Uh, not mockumentary, but the biopics that are produced yeah, yeah. by the musician. Yeah, yeah it's yeah, yeah. like Bohemian Rhapsody where Queen yeah. is still involved. And they're like, you can't make us look bad. We did not do hardcore drugs. We definitely didn't. And this is the it's the weird thing. Somehow they made Freddie Mercury straight. How in the fuck do you make Freddie Mercury not like a raging homo? Like, what the fuck? The movie was garbage. I don't know. I haven't seen it. It's very bad. From ScreenRant.com. No. I'm taking this one. No. This coming March, Image Comics will release Phantom Road, a new creator-owned series by writer Jeff Lemire and artist Gabriel Walza, described by the publisher as Mad Max Fury Road meets the Sandman. Oh. Phantom Road will reunite Lemire and Walta, who previously collaborated on Sentient promising to take readers on a midnight run unlike any other. Phantom Road kicks off when long-haul truck... What the fuck? Okay. Phantom Road... Colin, when he sees a three-letter word. Shut your fucking whore mouth. 
Phantom Road kicks off when long-haul truck driver Dom stops to help a young woman named Birdie who has just been in a bad car wreck. Birdie swerved to avoid hitting a mysterious object, one that will launch Dom and Birdie into a nightmarish road trip. The preview pages shared below chronicle Dom's first meeting with Birdie, beginning a story which the creators intend to rank among the most ambitious comic epics. This is the second collaboration between Jeff Lemire and Gabriel Walta after 2019's Sentient, which was nominated for an Eisner Award. Both Lemire and Walta have had distinguished careers. Lemire broke into the mainstream comics industry in the 2000s and in the following decade established himself as one of the field's top creators, working on everything from superhero books to creator-owned titles at a variety of publishers, with books including Sweet Tooth, Descender, and Gideon Falls. He recently signed an exclusive contract with Image Comics. Sounds hot. Yep. Moving on. <laughs> From comicbook.com. After raising over $142,000 on Kickstarter, Wesley Snipes' The Exiled comic has found a new publishing home. Come February, the title will be published through Whatnot Publishing the startup publishing arm of the mobile app donning the same name. Ahead of the issues... What is FOC? You should know this. It's a technical term. Spencer, when he sees a three-letter word... Literally three up. letters, too. Shut up. I'm going to call yeah. you that. I got you, bitch! Ahead of the issues release date in January, Whatnot released a trailer for the story featuring a voiceover from Snipes himself. The official synopsis reads, the Exiled follows hard-boiled detectives Niles Roach Washington as he pursues a serial killer who is using mysterious ancient tools to rip the spines from his victims. When forces outside and within the police department attempt to discredit him for his theories, Roach's instincts push, keep pushing him forward. With enemies on all sides, Roach wades deeper into the conspiracy and uncovers a secret 5,000 years in the making. The series was co-created by Snipes, Keith Aram, and De Adam Lawson, the latter serving as the primary writer on the series. Gabriel Santos drew the comic while Valentina Biacondi added colors. Set for release on February 8th, 2023, the final order cutoff. Final order cutoff. I'm fucking retarded. That's what it is. Bruh. The final order cutoff for the first issue is on January 9th. Uh, this also looks really hot, to be honest. I did not know anything about this. This is news to me. I have a soft spot for when people who aren't really into comics want to do a comic. Like, even if it's not good, it's always kind of interesting. I don't know. Moist Critical put out a comic like this week, which is really weird. I, I haven't checked it out. That yet. is either, but I saw you send that. Breaking Yeah, buddy. That's what I'm talking about. That guy. I've got breaking news, fellows. Lego actually came through. With something they said for once. You will be able to get this gift while purchasing a Lego set. I don't know which one it is. I didn't go that far. But the gift is a one of the newest Lego Bionicle set of um, Toa... Fuck. Toa Tahu in Lego form. And... His little buddy with the blue mask who becomes the, the, the toe of light. And it's cool looking. That's my breaking news. Is there actually a bionicle race called Toa Fuck? 
Yes. I That's knew it. it. Have you seen my badonkadonk? It's showing in the screen right now. I can see that. It's kind of small. From Marvel.com, the Guardians of the Galaxy return with a new ongoing series this April. First teased at New York Comic Con, Guardians of the Galaxy number one will be written by Jackson Lansing and Colin Kelly, the superstar writing duo behind Steve Rogers' bold ongoing adventures in Captain America Sentinel of Liberty and drawn by artist Kev Walker, known for his recent acclaimed otherworldly artwork on Predator. This hot new creative team will chart a course into dangerous new territory as Marvel's beloved team of intergalactic superheroes venture to new, never-before-seen planets, encounter brand-new alien species, and discover long-hidden, galaxy-bending truths that will make readers question everything they thought they knew about the cosmic side of Marvel. The reason behind this daring journey into the unknown a new phenomenon known as Groot Fall, an overwhelmingly powerful threat that will force the Guardians on a new mission that will test their limits as a found family. First seen in yesterday's foreboding teaser, Groot Fall will not only push the team to their breaking point, but will also drive them out to the furthest reaches of space where they'll encounter strange worlds in desperate need of the Guardians. Yesterday, fans also glimpsed Walker's inspired new designs for the core cast of the new run, Star-Lord, Gamora, Drax, Nebula, and Mantis. And now, learn more about the upcoming new saga, hear from the creators, and check out the first issue cover by Marco Cicetto. It's Western. <laughs> One year ago, the Guardians of the Galaxy were destroyed their optimistic future shattered by the betrayal of one of their own. Now they ride the space lanes of a lawless corner of the galaxy, trying to outrun their tragedy. Can they rediscover their heroism and humanity on the bleakest frontier? Can they forgive the fa failures of their past? Or will they fade into the dark, eternally unforgiven? Strap in for it. A Guardians run like no other when Guardians of the Galaxy number one arrives in April. I think Rocket and Groot are having marital issues and they kill each other. I love that dynamic. This is very Western styled and I'm very interested. Although the team lineup is kind of bland. Spencer is Groot. Jacob is Rocket Raccoon. Wow. I can see that. Fuck you. I can. Cause I I've got the 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 scrappy energy, and he's like a tree, and he just stands there. Wow! And he says, "I am Groot." And then Jacob's like, "Honey, get mommy's bazooka." Oh boy! I hate you. Reference. I I understood that reference. You made me shit. <laughs> Harley, That's how much I hate you. Harley Quinn. From Batman Beyond, Return of the Joker. Wow, yeah. you're yeah. so cool. That movie so much. So good. Perfect movie. So, 
So now that we have the massive pile of news done with, now we, we just can... have assorted shenanigans. Talking points. Jacob! Hello. Go, Me buddy! first? Fucking Autobots roll out. Let's go. Yeah. So Autobots, jerk off! Does that mean they spew motor oil? Yes. Or gasoline? Yes. Diesel? Yes. Yeah. I think the fuel would, would be the cum because the like the it, oil the is oil oil is blood. Yeah. yeah. I read Kingsman the Secret Service, written by Mark Millar. It's so sad because you got the movie cover. I it was all they had. Aww. Uh written by Mark Millar, arted by Dave Gibbons. And somehow co-plotted by Matthew Vaughn. Um, there's a punk kind of bumming around England. And he's a punk. And he's no good. And his uncle is like, listen, you no good piece of shit. I'm a super spy, and I think you'd be good at it, too. That's literally Mark Millar-type dialogue. <laughs> uh, also, uh, some bad guy is killing people. He's got, like, a, a brainwave that he sends out and makes people kill each, each other. So they gotta stop that. So you're telling me the first film is fairly accurate in plot? I don't remember. Damn, damn. But bro. yeah, it's kind of it's kind of close to the first film. Um, the, the no good piece of shit punk goes through super spy training, and he's not very good at it. Except that he's really, really good at it. It's kind of like Colin on this show. He's really good at it when he tries. What? Fuck you! But he's gotta try. Accurate. No. Wrong answer. I'm <laughs> always good at it. No. You fucking raccoon. But also, the bad guy's killing people. Um, um, things take a turn in issue... <laughs> Which one is it? I think it's five out of six. Yes, issue five out of six. Uncle Super Spy a kill. Oh. <gasps> Yeah, right at the end of issue five. So then that makes the no good piece of shit punk actually pay attention to being a super spy and he stops the bad guy and saves the day. Does he also get offered sex by a a, a royal in this book? No. Damn, zero out of ten. That was actually a, a funny gag. Um, the bad guy's waifu goes out onto town She's kind of loose, and the bad guy knows it. It's like, baby, come on, don't be like that. But she does it anyway, and so the super spy uncle knows about it, and he and his nephew are, like, arguing over who's going to woo her for information about that bad guy. Oof. And uh, the no-good piece-of-shit punk is like, come on, you're way too old for her. I'm going to do it. And the uncle's like, no. I'm experienced. She she was the experienced one. It, and that's how they killed the uncle off. <laughs> he gets sexed to death. Yes. 
Um, this one was rough because while it did a lot of important work to set up the story and the world and the characters and everything, it felt like it took a while. It took a long time for the the nephew to go through training. And it was frustrating because he's kind of just pissing about and doesn't want to pay attention. Um, and we don't really get a whole lot of the villain. He's kind of just there as an incentive for the nephew to go through training. Uh, but he needed the motivation of his uncle to die at the end of the fifth issue. And then the sixth issue, it, it comes together really well. So uh, it's okay. Um, I had an issue with this book. I would say the first two issues were printed weird. The the All the writing looks like there's two or three layers of it. it oh, it, yeah, that's a printing error I get a lot. Yeah. So hopefully that's not like every single book and probably just my shitty movie cover issue copy of it. There's a lot of blood. Um... Why are there no titties? There are titties. I request that you find the titties. <laughs> Bonk. Shut up, whore. Ooh. Oh, dear Lord. It, it, it didn't go crazy. It didn't feel like a parody movie like the actual movie did where... Uh, I don't know what I'm trying to say. It didn't feel childish. It didn't feel like a Ted of, of comic books. It, I mean, there was language and there were jokes and and it was immature in the typical Mark Millar fashion, but it was fairly reined in. It was like, now we do a joke and now we continue on with the story. And it was like, kind of surprising, honestly. So I think I gave it three or four out of five stars on Goodreads. I picked it up at Bull Moose, pre-owned for seven Dollars. And then Matthew Vaughn's like, I'm going to make a movie and we're going to put blades on our legs. <laughs> Colin, she's got blade blades as legs. Would you still let her step on you? No. No. No, I wouldn't. Yeah, you would. Don't lie to me. <sighs> what else have you done? So, I recently watched The Man from Uncle. Yeah, buddy. Here's a synopsis on it. Not my own, someone else's. Uh, at the height of the Cold War, a mysterious criminal organization plans to use nuclear weapons and technology to upset the fragile balance of power between the United States and Soviet Union. CIA agent Napoleon Solo, played by Henry Cavill, and KJB agent uh, Il- Ilya or Ila. I think it's, I think they pronounced it Ela. Ela Kiryakin. Ela Teriyaki, um, a Russian spy played by Army Hammer. Army Hammer, that's his name. He eats people, by the way. I'm an Army Hammer. What's that? Army Hammer eats people. What? Not uh, not in the same way you do. No, 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 no. Like, he's actually, like, a confirmed cannibal. Um, he doesn't have an acting career anymore for a reason. He didn't do anything illegal, technically, but, like, apparently his family has been covering this up for you. Like, he 
like solicited women off of Instagram and then would like coerce them into like chopping off small portions of their own flesh while hooking up because that's normal. It's a whole thing. There's a documentary coming out about it, actually. And this motherfucker almost played Batman twice. (laughs) Wow. Okay. well, uh, these two agents are forced to put aside their hostilities and work together to stop the evildoers in their tracks. The duo's only lead is the daughter of the missing German scientist, whom they must find soon to prevent a global catastrophe. So um, in the beginning of this movie, these two uh, agents are basically duking it out while the American agent, Henry Cavill, is uh, rescuing, (laughs) rescuing the German scientist's daughter from the bad side of the uh, Berlin Wall. I mean, it's probably all bad sides, but rescuing her from the Russian side of the German, of the uh, Berlin Wall. And that whole scene is really cool, but eventually they have, uh, they have to team up because the two heads or whatever of the Russian and American uh, spy organizations are like, there's a bigger bad out there because this hot lady that like uh, wants to blow up the world and shit, basically. Um, And so they have to team up and basically the whole time they're just like shit talking to each other, how like the other guy, how each other are like awful spies and shit and they constantly keep messing up. I really liked the Russian character. So knowing who, knowing what I know now about the actor is kind of unsettling because the Russian, the Russian spy was like my favorite character in the whole movie. And they kept pissing on him the entire time. They kept shitting on him and telling him how awful he is or like stuff. And he's just so fucked up in the head and they still shit on him. Like what the fuck? Harry Cowell's a dick, but. uh, Lovable dick though. Kind of. Yes. I Shut up. <laughs> oh my fucking word. I like him like at the end more so when he's like, oh, I guess I do have to save this guy. Oh, I found the guy that stole his watch. I'm going to steal it because he's my friend now. So that stuff was cool. But the only gripe I have with this movie is that fucking chase scene with like those off-road Jeeps or what those like dune buggies. A doom buggy, a jeep, and then the motorcycle. That whole chase scene was way too fucking long. Mm-hmm. Way too long. It made no sense to me. I was getting bored at that point. But thank God it was like towards the end. That movie just has piles of style. Was was that the one where Army Hammer and Henry Cavill sit in the truck and yeah. just watch it go by? Yes. I love that scene. It is so funny. Watch it go by? Yeah, they're sitting in the truck at night and they're just like watching people chase them out of the building. Yes. <laughs> no, that's not the scene. One eternity later. Fuck! But it was funny because there's so many moments in this where I called it like what was about to happen. And I kind of like those movies. Uh, I'm only going to talk about one where after that whole scene that I said took too long, um, they all get basically into accidents. Our, uh, Henry Cavill's fighting off the bad guy, trying to get what's-her-face back, and Army Hammer got into an accident and his motorcycle's on top of himself. And I'm like, this dude, they keep talking about how big he is, how he's a powerlifter, how strong he, he looks, and all this shit. He's going to pick up that bike and throw it at the bad guy. And he fucking did. What the fuck? 
picked up the bike and threw it at him. I was like, that was so stupid, but okay. Other than that, uh, it was a good movie, and I would watch it again, especially because of What's-Her-Face. She is very hot. I wasn't seeing it, and then you guys were talking about it, and then I kept watching her, and I'm like, she's spicy. Bonk. Oh, me bonk. Oh, me. Fuck you. You guys bonk first. But sir, what have you been doing? I read the Batgirl Returns Omnibus. Uh, it is the new 52 run. So this was during the... Basically, all of DC got wiped out and restarted, except Batman continuity and Batman-adjacent characters whose timeline was condensed into like five years, but basically everything was the same. So uh, this is is Barbara. Barbara has recovered from her spinal injuries. She's gone to therapy. She's got a bunch of cool technology. Um, and she can, you know, walk now. Um, and, and she, so she just does Batgirl shit, basically. Like, she's in Gotham and has her own various catalog of, in this run, mostly forgettable villains. Um, there's a bunch of, just a bunch of wacky dudes in costumes and some wacky chicks in costumes. And um, they all end up being controlled and or employed eventually by i don't remember her name but she's basically batgirl has a lex luther as an enemy as, as like her nemesis it's this rich bitch who owns like a she's like a a nepotism kid who hires mercenaries to kill criminals basically it's a whole thing um so most of this run is about um different types of justice and whatnot um so all of this, except one issue, was written by Gail Simone. Um, it was, I remember the controversy around this. Gail Simone was a really well-respected writer, and she was brought onto this run, and for some reason, she got booted off the book. No one really knows why. And then there was so much fan outrage over the next like, two weeks that they immediately brought her back. Um, so her writing for this whole book is really good. Um, the plotting is fine. It definitely has the, the feel of a longer run. Um, despite the fact that I like when there's a good ongoing series, like um, they always have the tendency to repeat information you already know if you've been following the book or to not have the strongest structure because the writer may or may not know how many issues they're going to have before the book gets canned. Um, so this one can feel a little overly long in some sections. Um, there's a really good selection of characters on the the flip side. So this involves Barbara, uh, Jim, obviously, um, her new roommate, Alicia, who's fucking awesome. Um, James Gordon Jr. pops in for a bit. Barbara's mom turns out to be alive. That's the whole thing. There's a, there's a lot of stuff. Uh, Nightwing makes a couple of appearances, uh, but not too much. It's basically at the beginning, he's just showing concern for her because she's recently recovered. And he's like, hey, are you sure you're up for, you know, fighting and going out on rooftops again? And she's like, no, fuck you. And then runs off. Um, their dynamic, as always, is great. Um, no, no qualms there. Um, I really like James Gordon Jr. as a villain. Basically, for all of Gotham, I really like how well he's been developed through different runs to be equally as much of an antagonist to Barbara as he is to Batman, but also because he's so directly tied to the Gordon family, he's also kind of like a, a James... It's like it's like James Gordon's biggest failure, kind of. Or at least that's how he thinks about it, despite the fact that his son is literally incapable of feeling things, so it's not his fault. Um, 
I just, I really like that character. And he doesn't overstay his welcome in this run. He's here for a few issues. Um, he has a fake out death, which we don't find out as a fake out death in this run, actually. Um, and that's basically it. Barbara thought she killed him for a while and is, you know, very devastated. Um, yeah, so the thing with this run more than anything else that is enjoyable is the it nails the voice. You know how some characters have a should have a really distinct like character voice. Not necessarily in the ways that they talk, but like it it's a weird combination of like how the panels are laid out, how the dialogue is written, how the character expresses themselves and sometimes you have a good sto- you know you have a good story but like the characterization for a character feels kind of weird. Um just I could probably pull out examples, but it doesn't really matter. Whatever. Um, the, the character of Barbara Gordon here is written phenomenally well. The plot, like I said, is fine. There's a lot of issues with this run in terms of its structure because of so many behind the scenes issues. But reading Barbara and just watching Barbara go fight crime is fucking phenomenal. Um, my biggest gripe with this book is that it's a really janky collection to read. Um, it's a very large book. So this includes issues zero through 34 annuals one and two and batman 17 and batman uh, and batgirl futures end one which was a a short little event that dc did which was you know an issue or two of all their characters in the future and it basically universally sucked um it just it's really hard to read because there are numerous chunks of this book you know every like eight issues or so where it definitely like a, a large event has happened in the Batman run or one of the Batman runs that affects this one, but they don't really state what it is. It just kind of expects you to know. Um, like the st- the city changes status quo dramatically. At one point, it's like a it's a poison ivy jungle for a while. Like there's a lot of stuff that isn't explained because it's not directly related to Batgirl, which is annoying. Um, it's not really a fault of the writer though. Um, I just, I really like this one. It is jank. It's a little hard to read if you're not familiar with it, but it is a fun introduction to Batgirl as an adult. Um, so she's early 20s, like 21, 22. Uh, it's a really good time period. Most of the art is fine. I don't really have any major gripes about it. Most of the artists are kind of doing impressions of each other. So there's a, a level of homogeneity to it. Um, I really do, I really like the Batgirl suit design. Um, it's the, this this run is primarily the black, and gold armored look, which isn't my favorite, but I think it works really well as like a good reintroduction to a, a slightly grown up Barbara for the the new 52's edgy era. Um, the covers uh, are phenomenal. That's just a minor aside, but like the covers for all of these issues are fucking gorgeous. Um, I bought this uh, on Amazon for sixty dollars. Uh, it was it's a full it's a full chunky omnibus. The cover price is 125. Um, I would say wait for a slight sale to be like under a hundred bucks if it's something you're interested in, uh, whether it be for Batgirl purposes or just I don't know additional Batman stuff. It's it's very good. It just is kind of hard to read, which makes it get dropped down a couple pegs. Wow, wow. We also someone hit me over the head with a fucking brick. Please, bonk. Thank you. So, Jacob, are so there ja- any redheads in this book, like my book, which features a redhead very prominently? So, Jacob, is there any redheads, red, red, redheads, and redhoods in in your book, like it said prominently in mine? Prominently. You didn't read a book. Yes, I did. You talked about a movie last time. 
Nighton. <clears throat> to the drapes match the curtains. I read Kingsman, the red diamond. Oh! Wait, diamond. Well, well, can I pause for a second? Spencer, you said that phrase wrong. The drapes are the curtains, you dumbass. Shut up. <laughs> Fucking retard. I read the Kingsman. No, sorry. Kingsman, the red diamond. It is the sequel to the last book I talked about. It is written by a different guy. Written by Rob Williams and illustrated by Simon Fraser. Uh, the the no good piece of shit nephew is a super spy now and he's taking care of his family and he's a pretty cool guy except that his old friends don't like him anymore because he's a cool guy now and there's a a, a villain that shuts down all of the world's computers every single thing with a screen shuts it down and so uh, all the credit cards and banks don't work and like all the stores can't sell stuff and there's a money shortage and the world is just burning down. <clears throat> Let me guess. The villain's MO is technology bad. Yes. Phone bad. Yes. Phone bad. Um, but also he kind of kills off all of the elite, I guess. All the like one percenters or whatever basically resets the world to like a no technology world. And as it's burning down, he hides himself away at the bottom of the ocean. <laughs> Fuck. He's like, there, I fixed things and hides. <laughs> Do you think God hides because he's scared of his own creation? Stop that right now. Stop it with your Spy Kids reference. <laughs> it's true, specifically. I like this book a lot more than the first one. There was more action. There was more. Um, it was far more spoofy. It felt like a, a James Bond spoof, but it was far more entertaining than the last one. Uh, uh, jokes and emotional beats that weren't just we got to kill the guy for motivation. Uh and there was even uh, even more character growth. The the piece of shit nephew um, cares for his family a lot, despite the, his family making piss poor choices. And uh, he still takes care of them. And he's concerned about them from across the world uh, as he's trying to stop the bad guy. And it ends with him hanging out with them in the bar and like having a good time. It was cool. It wrapped up quite nicely. I gave it a five out of five stars. Were they drinking Corona? I don't think so, no. Damn. Uh, they're in England. England? So, so his mom had a gin and something. It was a really weird mix, too. I think it was like a Coke and gin or something. It was, that sounds it was, disgusting. Yeah, quite. Um, he meets a super hot spy lady <gasps> from South America oh. and, and they do all kinds of super spy things together if you know what I mean <laughs> you gotta practice the interrogation techniques um yeah I liked this one a lot more uh I also got it pre-owned 
at Bulmos for seven dollars. I know. I know. He's a professional. Colin, what else do you do? Are there redheads in your book like they were in mine? Do the drapes match the drapes? Shut up! <laughs> do the tires match the cars? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I watched Glass Onion, A Knives Out Mystery. Yeah, buddy! So, the synopsis is really short, but I'll obviously over-talk, over-share. Uh, tech billionaire Miles Braun invites his friends for a getaway on his private Greek island. When someone turns up dead, Detective... Uh, I can never say Benoit Blanc. I was just about to say it! Detective Benoit Blanc is put on the case. So, I like this movie a lot. Uh, spoilers ahead, spoilers ahead. In the beginning of this movie, we get to see that these group of kind of like the elites, but they're not really the elites. They're be they wanting to become the elites. Uh, and they've been friends for years. They get this box and they all get into a call and they figure it out how to use it or like how to like solve the mystery box. And eventually they solve it and it opens up to an invitation to Miles Bronze. Uh, getaway Island, and then we get to see someone else, a mystery party, uh, gets a box as well, but what she does is she hammers it open. She doesn't try to figure it out. She just breaks it open, sees the invitation. I'm like, huh, that's not what I expected to happen, but that makes so much sense, and I love it. Gordian not. And then Benoit Blanc uh, is in his bathtub. Amogus! Playing us with a bunch of old people because he's in between cases and he doesn't know what to do with his time when he's not on a case. And uh, he's got like books everywhere in the bathroom, candles and shit. It's just I, I love Benoit Blanc. I love just how fruity he is. I, I, I It fits his character so well. And it's just, I don't know. I just love it. I, I, I love him. He's just so funny. Um, and so someone uh, arrives at the door with a box. Wow. How could this be? He's got invited. And eventually we get, uh, we get to meet all the characters, how weird they are, how annoying they are, how they kind of like secretly hate each other, even though they're friends. And they go to this Greek island that has a sh uh, a a piece of shit uh, dock, and that 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 only floats at a certain time, and uh, the the they go to this house where Miles Bronze shows them around, and it's called the Glass Onion, and he uses fake words to make himself seem like he's smart. And immediately when I saw this, um, I got tricked. I totally got tricked on like thinking that Miles Braun was actually like somewhat smart or something. <laughs> I, I got tricked because I wasn't reading the signs because all I could think about and it's fucked up that I got tricked because all I could think about was like glass onion. That makes no sense. It has layers, but you can see right through the middle. Makes no sense. It was in plain fucking sight. And right at the end, 
when uh, uh, Benoit was figuring everything out, he's like, it's in plain sight. It was so stupid that I couldn't see it. I'm like, it's brilliant. No, it's just stupid. It is just stupid. And Benoit said it perfectly for me. It's just like, it's so stupid that it didn't cross my mind. And I was like, what the fuck? I got tricked too. I felt like Benoit Blanc, a fruity little man trying to do detective work, and I got played. And um, we also discovered that Benoit wasn't originally invited, and somehow he got a box. I called it on the box. Not exactly, but like how he got the invitation and who it was connected to. I called it. I'm not going to spoil it, but I called that part. But I was not expecting the end. I wasn't expecting for them to not actually be able to prove um what was truly happening in this house mm, uh, jeremy renner's hot sauce yes i was i did not I, I i was not expecting that but i did like the ending it was very um uh what's the word i'm looking for uh much of my tongue cathartic yes thank you it was very cathartic um and I was watching this movie. This is a side note. It has nothing to do with, like, really the story. I was watching this movie, and you guys were telling me how hot these two chicks were, like, in, in, the, in the pool scene. There's more than two chicks. The, yeah. the two young hot chicks. Yeah, it's just the two chicks that you guys are so seeing. You have, you have Dave Bautista's characters. Whiskey. Whis- yeah, whiskey. Whiskey and Bert. And then there's Birdie. Birdie's um, assistant. Birdie's not hot. Birdie's assistant, who's played by... You think Brady's assistant was hot? No, he said Birdie is not hot. I know, but you guys were talking about the pool scene. Three days later. Uh, I don't know. You were the one that was talking about it for a second. Oh, okay. So the hot chicks. I didn't. I. I. I didn't see them as hot at all. And and then I don't know. As we just kept going, I was like, yeah, whiskey's hot. But Bro, like, she's just chilling with her fucking melons out, like the whole movie. Almost everything out. Yeah, pretty much. Bruh. Bruh. Yes. No, I was saying how the entire cast is hot. Oh. I, I just threw my voice through Jacob. Pe- Peg is not hot. She's cute. Sure. All right, that's the end of what I had to say. That just pissed me off. Wow. It was a good movie. I really liked it a lot. I actually give it a... I would probably give it a six... And a half out of seven tortoises. Where that half star go? Uh, whiskey boobs. That's a negative. Oh, oh, why? Yeah. Oh, um, uh, I think because even though I'm so, I'm a type of person uh, where I like to watch a movie for most of most of the part. I like to watch a movie for what it is. And I like to accept like whatever ending that it will give me. It's not, I wanted him to be able to figure out the case and like actually pin it on him. He was, he was eventually pinned for something else, but not for the original thing that they were set out to do. And I like that. I like finishing what starts my autisms. It like goes out of whack a little bit, but like I can accept it because it's a movie. Um, it just didn't end how I wanted it to do, so that's why it just it didn't get that like point five. Otherwise, how, how much did you laugh at the Benoit hiding behind a nude statue joke? 
yeah, there's a butt. <laughs> I love how long the camera lingered on it. It's like it lets you laugh and then it keeps going. I know. I was like, wow, they're. I, at first, I was like, I wonder if they messed up. And I'm like, nope, they didn't mess up. They did this on purpose. Oh, no. Benoit I, was very at home. Yes, he was very at home. <laughs> um, if you know, if you look very carefully, you can see Anna de Armas in every frame of this movie. <laughs> I promise you. You just, you just got to look real careful. Uh, but I really like how they're making this like a series where it's totally different stories, totally different characters. And it's about those characters in the story. But Benoit Blanc is like your uh you are him and you're reading a new story and like you're it kind of feels like you're in this character so in like a way even though he's not technically the main character because like anna de armas was the main character in the last one and helen is technically the main character in this at least that's how i saw it um but i like how they're doing this and i want more Jacob and I were talking last night about the uh, mostly me wondering whether or not um, Benoit Blanc coming up with extremely bizarre ways to insult people is is written in the script or if that's Daniel Craig trying to not just call everyone a fuck all the time. Just the very weird convoluted ways he comes up with insults. It's very funny. Yes. I realized that this character is like james bond but entirely not like james bond at all he's the anti-james bond yes except for they both are very suave i love that he has that little handkerchief too i actually love his outfits like ascot bro he got drip ascot yeah he does have drip he has hella drip he's yeah I like him as this character way more than I like him as James Bond. I like how much fun he's having. Like, he's just laughing it the fuck up. Just, I'm going to play the weirdest fruity detective you've seen in your life. Yes, I love the the detectives that are driven by pain, but I really really connect with the the detectives that are just, like, bored out of their mind and they're trying to do something just because that's, like, they, they, they have fun this way. This is their way of having fun. And also, like... They get slipped up by stupid shit. I relate to that. Even I'm though, bad at doing dumb things. Yeah, I, I like to think that I relate to that. I'm bad at doing dumb things. That's stupid. Because I always fucking die in Mafia. I can never play fucking Mafia. Everyone thinks that I'm the bad guy. Or yes, get, you are. I'm not. I never get picked for any of that anymore. Anyway, moving on. Spencer, what else have you been consuming? I read the Batgirl of Burnside omnibus, which is the second half of the new 52 Batgirl run. Uh, This is issues 35 through 52, plus Secret Origins 10, plus Batgirl Endgame number one. Uh, This is primarily written by Cameron Stewart and Brendan Fletcher, um, with most of the art done by Babs Tarr, but it does feature a few guest appearances of other artists to fill in for an issue or two. Um, but they're all in basically the same style. Um, after all the events of the last book, Babs is like, I need to go to the other side of town where people are more chill, uh, cause I'm going insane. So it's a lighter book with, uh, more of a cartoony, uh, vibe to it in general. I wouldn't say Saturday morning cartoon exactly, but like, uh, 
there is a there is a certain quality this book has where it takes its subject matter seriously and it does cover very similar topics to the other book like Batgirl usually revolves around a fair few similar topics but this one is is just um I don't know it's got some intangible quality to it that I really enjoy um so she gets a new roommate she gets a new job she goes through some shenanigans. There's another pile of villains who end up, most of them working for one person, but not all of them. Uh, the plotting here is mostly pretty... Oh, oh! but the highlight of this is there's an evil AI version of Barbara, which is really funny, because she scanned her brain and is like, we can use this, and then it goes evil, and then she has to kill herself. It's very weird. Um, a lot more of the plotting uh, makes more sense. It's a shorter run uh, because it's the second half. It's a, it's a smaller book. It's a shorter run. So it feels a lot more focused on the getting to the end goal. It doesn't feel as though it just kind of has to keep spinning its wheels forever because we have to fill issues. Um, a lot of the villains are a lot more iconic. They're also they're still very goofy and silly. Some of them are based on like anime characters. There's a guy who can... like change your memories there's a bunch of weird stuff um there is a tad bit of cringe to this book every once in a while it it, it has a little bit of like a kind of a ya feel to it but not in a demeaning way just sometimes there are some references to things that have not aged well for me um it's really vibrant uh mostly in the coloring but also just the way the coloring interacts with the character design and the the lighting choices, like a lot more of it's a daytime. Such a minor difference, but it makes such a huge ripple effect. Um, it just feels like Barbara is out having fun with friends and, and doing, and doing you know, capers. It feels like they're capers instead of it feeling like, uh, I don't know, like a mission. If that makes any fucking sense at all. Um, there's also really good integration of the other ongoing plots from other Batman-adjacent books at the time. Um, Nightwing makes multiple appearances in this run, except this is during the time period where he was dead, apparently, and was a spy. So there's a whole bunch of stuff bouncing around that. Um, this also heavily deals with the Batman temporarily being dead and Commissioner Gordon being Batman stuff. Um, but it feels like it's a lot. there's a lot more editorial oversight to help communication, because this just... It flows completely. It tells you all the information you need in the run. Um, the action is extremely dynamic and fluid, which I, I, I really like. I, I can like flip through these pages very aggressively and follow everything. It's really clear. Um, they, they, they fuck with proportions a lot. It has a... It has a, a, a there's, a, there's a, No words, but there's a, just a thing. There's a thing. It's a little brainworm in my brain that's like, I like this. Um, and this also has my favorite Batgirl suit. It's the purple and like the purple leather jacket with the motorcycle pants with the like orange yellow Timberlands and shit. I love that look so much. Um, wow. it's so fucking good. Um, it also is just a nice change of pace from the previous part of the, the previous run. Um, because it emphasizes such a, a tonal difference, a, physical difference between the characters, a, a visual difference in terms of the art styles and, and the subject matters, kind of. But they still feel... It doesn't feel like it's trying to retcon anything or like act like the previous run didn't exist. It's just a new creative team doing different stuff with it, which is I really like. They pair well together. 
I bought this on Amazon for $65. Um, it has a cover price of 100 I would say it's definitely worth 100 bucks. It's a really well put together omnibus. The cover is nice. It reads well. Um, yeah, it's 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 worth the splooge. Splurge, not splooge. Although I did splooge reading it many, many times. I'm sure you did. I haven't used that word in so long. Um, this is my favorite Batgirl run so far. I haven't been keeping up with some of the more modern stuff at the moment, but I, uh, this is, it's so good. It's so fun. She's got the cute little dorky cape, like the like mid-back cape that has no purpose. I like that cape. I love it. Yes. Colin wants to lick that cape off. Yep. All right. You're going to get this probably. Colin, try to guess the book I read Okay. by the description I wrote about it. Okay. A much-loved superhero finds a tear in space and time and says, I must fix this. So they get zapped away to a godforsaken hellscape where there are all kinds of horrifying creatures all trying to kill each other. Their hero finds that they can't speak in this world. A storm suddenly happens before someone kills the hero, only for the hero to awaken again without their memory. Can you tell me if it's DC or Marvel? It is DC. I feel like you're pulling a sneaky. I am. You're pulling a sneaky, and I don't like it. Yeah. Uh, he forgets his memory. And yes. And he's a beloved DC character. Every 22 minutes, to be specific. Fuck, I should know what this is. But every 22 minutes? That they forget their memory. What is it? No, don't say it yet. A hellscape where they're all fighting each other. It is. The concept is quite cringe. And Spencer specifically told me many times while it was running that he was hearing actually good things about it. And I did not want to believe him. I don't know. I really don't know. I'm going to kick myself so hard. Yeah, you are. Green Arrow. And Fortnite. <laughs> First thought was fucking Batman. Batman gets sucked away to the Fortnite universe and has to figure out how to escape. <laughs> Comic Drake told me it was good. I bought it on a whim because it was on sale and I was like, oh, this will be fun to bitch about. Uh, sorry. It is written by Christos Gage and illustrated by Riley Brown and Christian Douce or Douce. Douche. There are six issues. So he gets sucked away into the Fortnite universe and he has to write clues to himself as he's like piecing together what's going on. So he's etching like into his batarangs and into his armor little little hints like uh, GPS locations or uh, the cat is a friend. Um, because Catwoman got sucked away to this universe too. And uh, they work out that they trust each other and uh, they fight all the other children 
in Fortnite. Probably children anyway, dressed up with hats and, and fish faces and skeleton bodies and um Batman makes his own little cabin <laughs> where he keeps all kinds of whiteboards that he's filled out and he's pieced together what happens. Um so this book, probably the best thing from this book in my opinion, is the dynamic between the bat and the cat. It's one of the best iterations of their relationship that I've seen in a comic. In a comic, quite good. Um, look at that. <sighs> they, uh, Batman figures out how to escape. And actually sends Catwoman first so that he can keep doing the hard work in the Fortnite universe and escape himself later. They get... <laughs> After sending the cat through to what is safe, uh, Snake Eyes from G.I. Joe shows up and <laughs> is always fighting. Batman. And it's funny, that issue is narrated by like whoever creates Fortnite like memos, emails and stuff. And they're talking about how interesting it is that that Snake Eyes and Batman are are fighting so much. <laughs> and it, it eventually comes to a splash page where everyone else in Fortnite is just sitting there watching the two of them fight. <laughs> they're not fighting to be the last one standing. They're just watching Snake Eyes and Batman fight all the time. Very, very funny gag. Until they work out some unknown sign language and figure out they can work together too. Um, the Batman finally gets through to what's safe. He gets off the stupid freaking Fortnite island onto another Fortnite island. And that is where everybody can talk. Uh, everybody that's escaped has to learn to work together to get back to all their different worlds. Um, Death stroke. That was a good shot. That's nice. Very good Batman shot there. I've got one more bookmark here. Where is it? Ooh, yeah. Um, they go back to the island for a minute because they have to get Harley Quinn to get back to Gotham. And that was pretty funny too. Harley's like, <laughs> she could speak on the island where nobody else could talk because she's crazy. And like that logic doesn't work on her. <laughs> and she doesn't want to go back to Gotham. She's like, I'm spending like my life killing people. This is great. I'm beating the shit out of children in Fortnite. <laughs> I don't want to leave. That was very funny. <clears throat> but when Batman and Catwoman go back to the island to get Harley Quinn, they find alternates of themselves. And I kind of really like the alternate suits of uh, themselves, especially Catwoman's alternate suit. Very good. It looks like a Black Panther suit. Hot. Um, it starts out good. It gets kind of dumb trying to get back to Gotham. There was a, a 
very, very significant emotional beat between Batman and Catwoman at the end of the book. I liked that quite a bit. Um, because it referenced like their entire history, most of which I don't know anything about. But I was like, oh, I've seen that cover. So that was cool. I got it in hardcover for $11, pre-owned at Bolmos. Um, You're fucked. The book usually comes with skins in Fortnite. Oh, my God. And the bastard that sold this back to Bolmos took the skins. That's so sad for you. Not that I was going to use them anyway, but I was like, hey, maybe it's it. Why is this page sticking? <laughs> because they ripped the sticker off. Um... 11 bucks for hardcover usually isn't bad. Um, I guess it's a deal. I probably won't read this again, but it was not horrible and cringe like I thought it would be. So good on them, I guess. Wacky. Goodreads does not allow half stars. I would give it three and a half, so I guess I'll round up to four. Wow. Oh. <laughs> You just cut out so hard for me. Okay, so like I said from last week, I'll be talking. I'll be attempting to talk about Chainsaw Man every like every single episode. What? So, Why? Because I I because uh, of the show, and I want to be talking about episode two because last week I explained the universe basically, or like. I how- see. I thought you were saying the books. Continue. Well, they're basically the same, but I didn't really go into depth with the books either way. So we're on to the second episode, which is still a part of the first book. After being taken into custody by Makama, one of the public safety devil hunters, Denji, finds himself head over heels in love with her, thanks to her suggestive insinuations. After uh, being taken into custody she tells denji that he is to either be forced to work with them and uh and find the gun devil and figure out a way to kill him or he gets to be imprisoned or killed like all the other devils because in this universe these devil hunters they make contracts with some devils and to make contracts they'll like have they'll either be like i need a lock of your hair or i need your left eye or i need your arms or something like that for you to have like some type of power like some they keep some devils and then some devils they just don't keep at all but he's not just a devil he's like a hybrid that they've never seen before because he's still human but he has a devil's heart so he is forced to work there and he is forced to uh go on missions with this man named aki he is like the pretentious anime protagonist that everyone knows in every other anime and is even told that he is so later in in later episodes uh but after this meeting Aki basically beats the shit out of him in an alleyway, throws a cigarette on him, and then uh, spits on him. And is like, yeah, you don't belong here. Get out of here, you little rat. And then so Denji gets up, kicks him right in the balls, and starts beating him profusely. It's like, 
yeah, I belong here. I'm going to keep doing what I need to do to get Makama's boobs. I'm going to get her to fall in love with me because I want her boobs. And I want to kiss her and stuff like that. And he's like, whatever, as long as you're serious as being a double hunter. And then they go on all these uh, these little like expeditions and blah, blah, blah. Uh, basically, Aki's training Denji how to be a devil hunter. Um, but Aki doesn't really care because he wants to kill him. Or he wants him dead, basically. He's not going to kill him, but like he wouldn't be sad if he died, blah, 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 blah. Um, and at the very end of the episode, they go into this house where this man has turned into a devil. They exterminate him, but then she finds his room full of porno mags and porno posters that are everywhere. And he just sits down on the ground looking at them. And he's like, oh, I want to touch boobs. And that's how the episode ends. Love the show. It's so good. Um, I would need more, but I'm pretty sure that they're on a um, they're on a break. They're at, like they just finished like part one of season one, some stupid anime shit. But uh, Chainsaw Man is fantastic. Wow. Yep. Booby, go. Yeah. Can you do your review in four minutes. Yes. Wow. Spencer, what else? <clears throat> I read Fantastic Four Full Circle. It is a graphic novel that came out uh, in 2022, done entirely by Alex Ross. Uh, this is a book where he switched up his style. He's not doing photo real pencil, pencil sketches with paint, but rather he's doing kind of traditional pen and, and pencil work. Um, it's still very uniquely in his visual style, the way he draws people and proportions. It does have a lot of photorealism to it. Uh, but it was definitely an interesting switch up, and I, I do really like it for that. Um, it's one of his best books. I think this art style works better for um, action sequences. Something that his his art is kind of lacking in is dynamic posing. Everyone kind of looks pretty rigid. It makes for really good one like singular pieces, but as a sometimes the books don't flow very well, um, and this one flows a lot better. Uh, basically, this is a follow up to a bunch of issues from Fantastic Four back in the '60s. This is like a wrap-up of a couple of plot lines that Lee and uh, Kirby kind of just left open at the time. Um, so this is like a deep cut, deep, deep cut shit. Um, it's a really cute little follow-up to those plot lines. Um, it, there are many, many of their villains that from the time are involved in this book. They go to the negative, di the, the, the negative dimension or the fucking whatever the fuck. Negative zone. Because of course they do. Every Fantastic Four, you have to go to the negative zone. Um, I wish it was a little longer. Um, the specifics of the story aren't really important because it's not from material I'm familiar with. Um, I have read some of the old stuff, but not these in particular. So it's 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 trying to pull on heartstrings I don't have. Um, but it it definitely seems to be a, like a a personal love letter to that era of comics, which is nice. Um, I haven't read a book that's styled in like the late like the the late golden age early silver age in a long time so that was really nice it is a bit of a it's just got that vibe to it you know it feels like wow this could have been written in the 60s um and, and it's good here it's not a negative thing um it is it feels like if it was released in issues it was like three issues long um it, it's pretty short it is um, basically the same size physical release as like a black label oversized book. Um, I got 
the last slipcase edition that was available at Jetpack because they're really cool and hooked me up. Uh, those things are very expensive, and I got got it for cover price of $40. Um, if you're into Fantastic Four, this is a really good book, or if you're nostalgic for that era. Otherwise, it's fun. It's fine. Um, it's a good coffee table type book. It's really nice to look through. There's some really trippy visuals. It's just the story doesn't resonate unless you're familiar with what it's talking about. Um, definitely worth the money. Um, I bought it at, like I said, Jetpack. Um, and I'm glad I got a hold of it. It's It was one of the highlights of last year. It just wasn't necessarily for me, if that makes any sense. Um, definitely one of Alex Ross's better works. I like that he did the whole book himself. It's wicked cool. Um, uh, thank you to our partners over at Jetpack Comics and Games in downtown Rochester, New Hampshire. Um, we buy comics and games and all sorts of crazy stuff from them. You should go support them on our behalf. Let them know that we sent you. Uh, also, a thank you to our patrons over at patreon.com forward slash Dime Comic Bros, Caitlin and Jeff Lorenz. Uh, if you want to help keep the lights on here, help us buy book, cheap books at Bull Moose for pennies on the dollar, um, then you can go ahead to our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Dime Comic Bros Network. We have multiple different tiers with different rewards, including stickers, sketches, unique artwork, uh, early access to episodes, exclusive access to uh, Dime Comic Bros and Dime Gaming Bros Happy Hour, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, check out our website at dimecomicbros.com for uh, all the journal journal sources from, from the articles from earlier uh, in the news, as well as for assorted fun shenanigans. Check out our Twitter and Instagram for updates, teasers, and whatnot. This is Jacob in post. Uh, the credits got cut off because we were recording with Zoom this week, and uh, Zoom is run by money-hungry assholes that don't let you just hold a normal conversation they shut you off every 40 minutes if you are recording so that's why there are little hints throughout the episode uh things like me asking spencer if he can do his review in four minutes and that is because we were running out of time spencer tried to speed run the the credits but uh almost succeeded but did not in the end so again thank you to jetpack comics and games in downtown rochester new hampshire Thank you to our patrons, uh, Jeff Lawrence and Caitlin. Uh, next week, we are reviewing Hellboy, the movie from the early 2000s. I'm too lazy to look up the date. Uh, thank you for listening and stick around for a couple of funnies after the episode. Thank you. Goodbye. And I want to oh, shit my pants. That was right in my face. <laughs> Did he burp? He burped into the microphone, which my face has just passed. Yeah. <laughs> I felt the warmth of the burp. Phones over there taking sex selfies. Are we in the background of his sex selfies? Not really. Why? Because it's just the Snapchat.